Welcome to Business Unmuted, the business discussion programme for the north of England, also available on all good podcast sites. I'm Mike Hughes, business editor of the Northern Echo, stepping in to guest host this episode for your usual host, Graham Robb. I spend my days speaking with businesses from across the northeast of Yorkshire. While confidence remains high, it seems we're at a time of major transition. The UK unemployment rate has reached its lowest point since 1974 at just 3.7%. And businesses continue to struggle with recruitment issues as vacancies reach a new high of 1.3 million. You'd think with the basic principles of supply and demand that we'd see a record rise in wages. But according to Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, employers are reluctant to raise pay. Regions of the UK are vying for investment and to attract skilled people into their workforces. Just this week, Middlesbrough Mayor Andy Preston, who joins me today, launched the Middlesbrough Development Corporation. This new body will cut red tape for investors and have more power over planning. Alongside Andy, my guests today are Martin Williamson, director at Latimer Hinks Solicitor, and Rosalind Stewart, a director at the Power of Women campaign. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, been a beautiful day outside, so just the right sort of day. We're in a relaxed mood. We're ready to talk about what's been going on. Uh, at an amazing time, let's start with you, Andy. Um, the development corporation uh huge headlines quite rightly a, a major move why now and what, what's it going to do what's your instinct about what the difference this is going to make so uh this is a big deal it's got the headlines and it's such a big deal that it needs an act of parliament so this isn't a little local council matter this is a national issue there aren't many developed mayoral development corporations in the whole country and to have one in, in the centre of an urban area is very unusual. So it's, it's a big deal, it's a big step, and it will do several things. The best way to summarise it is to say that we will fast-track investment and ambition. We will increase the ability to bring in money, ability to do things bigger and better, but most importantly, we'll cut out loads of red tape. Of course, you have to do things properly. Everything will be done by the book, but what we will do is circumvent the unnecessary red tape that councils become unwittingly embroiled in. So, so to summarise, the Merrill Development Corporation for Middlesbrough will bring in more money so we can do great stuff bigger, do it better, and definitely do it faster. And Middlesbrough, it's in the right place at the moment for something to take advantage of something like this, isn't it? It's, a, it's in a powerful place at the moment. There is investment coming in in Centre Square, places like that. With this added bonus now, it's... it's uh, the, the brakes are off, aren't they? Yeah, confidence is growing, and, and what investors love is to see other people doing stuff. So the more investment you get, the more people want to invest. Investors are, are chickens, basically, and they won't invest when nobody else does. They get very nervous, but as soon as they see everybody else investing, they have this fear of missing out. So, so we're, be, we're at the beginning of this, this force, of this snowball effect, where investment interest gets bigger, and bigger and bigger and the Merrill Development Corporation will help that snowballing so it's it's a really exciting time clearly there are some grey clouds on the horizon economically but there are also some bright spots employment has never been so high and and for the Teesside area winning investment has never been so 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 speedy so exciting and delivered with such force so it's a really exciting time Middlesbrough is at the beginning of a phenomenal boom and it's just great news for everyone in the whole region. 
Yeah, Martin, do you, do you feel well, that? I do, yeah. I think it's yeah. the right announcement at the right time. Yeah, um, sure. You know, there's been a lot of good publicity for our region recently. There is a feeling of um, things starting to happen, things maybe going to improve. There's a lot of inward, inward investment. But you rightly mentioned the dark clouds on the horizon, and this is perhaps just the little Philip at the right time that keeps that sense of momentum, builds on it, uh, and breeds this sense of confidence. I think, as I say, the right development at the right time. Ros Roslyn, you feel that as well? That there's a, this is all about timing, we're saying, that this is, this is the right time to be giving even more of a boost to, to the local economy with things like this? It's a good move? I would 100% agree with that. I think that, that obviously there are lots and lots of domestic um, concerns which are coming, in, coming into the minds of people in the region. Uh, around fuel bills and food bills and all those sorts of things and those are those are universal and, and cannot be ignored and you know wearing my kind of you know my, my own hat which is around feminism etc those those burdens can often land more heavily on the shoulders of women and single parent families than they necessarily do on, on, on others but I would say there is also a huge amount of opportunity in the region and I you know I tip my hat to people like Andy who are really working really hard to extend and diversify that opportunity across our region. I think that there is a huge amount to hope about. And I think as a region, we really need to tell that story saying, yes, things are tough. Um, and this is how you access help when you're finding things difficult. But actually, this is where you can find your future when you're looking for your next step. And I think that really is a, really is a double-edged sword. And I think that you know, narratives are often told in a national way which I understand, but I think we need to get a lot better at telling our story locally. Rosalind, just while we've got you there, just give us a, a brief outline of the, the Power of Women campaign, your your involvement, is it? What, what's the, what are the goals of that for us? So the Power of Women campaign was set up by um, Professor Jane Turner, um, who died in June last year, uh, very, very sadly, um, and her ambition was to set up a campaign which really highlighted the voices and stories of women in our region. So we have a website set up which tells stories of well over 120 20 women in our own at this point, um, telling us stories of how they gained their jobs, the barriers they faced, um, the opportunities they gained, um, and where they are now. And what I would say is there are a phenomenal number of women in our region who've done incredible things. I think they, there can be a perception that that's not the case. Uh, and actually this, this website tells the story of saying, no, you're wrong. Statistically, young women in our women, young women in our region do do achieve less than they do in other in other bits of the UK, and that that is simply true. But what we're trying to do is turn the narrative on its head and also give guidance to young women and say, look, here are some fantastic women, a bit like you. If you want to be a lawyer, a vet, a journalist, whatever it happens to be, here's someone a bit like you who's done a similar sort of thing, and here's a path you can follow and to track those young women and to help them to gain gain access to their futures. And I think there really is, it's really important. People have a really unpleasant sort of habit of telling stories about our region, about poverty and about pain, and they will not tell the other side of the story. And I find that extremely frustrating um, because there are always two sides to a story. And sure. yes, things are difficult sometimes, but we are resourceful, we are inventive, we are hopeful, and we are, we're a very, very clever bunch of folk. And I think we need to tell that story a bit much. Super. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a powerful message. Andy, just thinking that 
with the four of us here from such completely different sectors, different areas. So much of this is about partnerships and collaboration, isn't it? That we, the, the, the elements that we look after ourselves with media or law, and or, we have to work together, we have to understand each other. Collaboration is the heart of a lot, a lot of the success for the region, isn't it? Yeah, I think in almost any sphere, if you, you can go it alone, uh, and you may or may not be successful, but if you work with others and follow advice, and you know we touched there on, on looking at other people that have done it, whatever your ambition is, people who've done it and had to go and achieve that, that success, collaborate, listen to, engage with other people, you are far more likely to get where you want to be and do it faster and better. So collaboration is always key, whether you're the council or you've just got an ambition and you're, and you're a youngster at school, collaboration, listening, engaging with others is, is the fast track to success. Yeah, I think and, it starts sometimes with simple conversations. Yeah, success breeds success as well. Absolutely. And, and people, you know, climb on the shoulders of others. Uh, and, um, you know, Rosalind's comments about um, it's a great place for people to bring up their families, great place for people to, to yeah. work. Um, they've got to have a job to come to. Yeah. They can't just decide that's where I want to be and hope to find a job. The investment's got to be there. The businesses have got to be flourishing. Uh, and as you say, community together, that's what we need to work for. Yeah, let's just sort of tap in then to one of the issues that we raised at the beginning there about uh, the re recruitment issues, mm -hmm. that there is still this sort of great, businesses are struggling with recruitment issues, vacancies at an all time high. Mm -hmm. Again, that, what can we do about that? What's, what's going to shift from that? Or is it the economic situation that we're in at the moment? Is it just a an add-on to that is nothing we can do about it because I, I, of where I, we are? I think, well, my view is that, you know, the problems, many of the problems that we have in our economy at the moment are, of course, international problems, sure. as we know, sure. supply chain problems and all the rest of yeah. it. Uh, and so there's probably, there's only so much we can actually do about that um, until some of the uh, the structural problems internationally settle down. I don't think we're going to be, we're going to have the silver bullet to be able to solve these problems ourselves. I can't immediately say, a way out of that, um, not from local action. I don't know about what you think, Andy, but uh, I think that's right. I think I think the, the issues that we have are, are part of a much much bigger picture. Mm. Aren't they? I think I think one of the things we've got going on is governments around the world after two thousand eight started printing money, and I'm not saying that was the wrong thing to do, but when you print money, you stoke up inflation, and it was very much delayed. But part of what we're seeing now is the result of, of almost 14 years of printing money, um, artificially low interest rates, and that leads to things. I think whenever you get periods of inflation, wages will always lag that. Uh, and it's, it's, so it's, 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 the, it's the people who are the lowest earners or who are economically at the bottom of the heap, they're the ones that lose out. And that's why inflation is bad. Inflation is bad news. Uh, fixing it, I can't see a way that they fix this without putting the brakes on and pushing interest rates right up, which is gonna hurt the people with the least. So mm. it doesn't feel good to me at all, this. Mm. Um, I'm hopeful that perhaps as we start to see, maybe some solutions in the Ukraine and some other issues yeah. uh, start to unravel and improve over the next six to 12 months, we might see a, a slight easing of the pressure. Maybe, mm. we don't know. I'm, I'm fearful. I'm very fearful of that inflation could spiral and everybody loses out, especially the most vulnerable. Yeah, mm. Rosalind, we, we, we need resilience. It's something that the region's been known for for a long time, but we have to batten down the hatches, as we were just saying then, see through this, but see some sort of hope at the other side, don't we? We do, absolutely, but <clears throat> I have to be honest with you, I completely agree with Andy. Um, from an economic point of view, um, artificial inflation 
um, well, it's not artificial exactly, but but the, the, the inflationary pressures that have been put on our economy over the last, well, I would I would argue nine years um, have been acute and, uh, and are now coming to fruition in, in, in the worst possible way. Um, and that's something that will need to be resolved, frankly. And something we're discovering is when you do that, um, that actually that all pushes down to the most vulnerable. Um, and we're experiencing that now and people are going, gosh, this is dreadfully difficult. I can't buy food. My my, my bills have gone up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the way inflation works. Um, and it, it's unpleasant and it's something we really need to consider as society. But there are hope. There, there's huge amounts of hope on, on the horizon. If I look at our region, I'm just going to give you kind of three examples from our region, which I think are really powerful and really worth reflecting on. So think about Darlington and the expansion of everything around the, the train station region to the north of the town and the opportunity that will give for folk. Think about Stockton and you know the different regenerations around the riverside and the opportunities that will give to folk. Think about Middlesbrough and everything that's been going on between you know 13 housing and outward riverside and all of the housing developments in that area. There's a huge amount going on in our region and huge amount of people who are genuinely and purposefully caring for, for folk in our region. And yeah, it's not easy, but people are trying very, very hard. Economic pressures are globalised and we need to simply work with those. But as a region, we have the ability on the top of that to kind of go, right, OK, those are happening. Fine. What can we do? to try and actually respond to that locally. Yeah. Um, if I'm wrong about that, then fair enough. But I think I don't again. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Andy, when you were talking about things like the Development Corporation and pushing ahead with enormous projects, long-term projects, and yet the people around the people around the towns are, are struggling. This cost of living crisis is really hitting hard. Do you still feel there's a, an understanding of, of the longer-term message that you're putting across, that we have to keep investing, we have to keep growing? even though there's such a, a short-term, we hope, short-term crisis going on? I, th I think the, the, the cost of living crisis hasn't yet, for the vast majority of people, become a crisis. It, it's, it is impacting people, and some people are really suffering. But it's sure. going to be the autumn, uh, October, November, December, when the yeah. fuel bills really mm -hmm. kick in. Yeah. That's when it's going to really hurt. And I think when that happens, it becomes really hard as a politician because then if you're struggling, you're struggling to put food on the table, you don't give a monkeys about a medium term plan. You want someone to solve, quite rightly so, the problem you've got today, tomorrow and the next day. So it becomes very difficult as a politician to plan medium and long term when people are in financial crisis. And that's going to be the big challenge for not just for politicians, but our, our country is finding the balance between giving people the short term aid they need, but not ditching medium sensible and long-term plans because it's very tempting to do that as a politician mm, sure. to ditch the medium term you don't win any votes by medium-term plans you win votes by today yeah. but politics nationally has to be looking at a medium and long-term plan having said that i, I don't know what you, you all think I, I i think the government needs to come out with some really assuring messages really fast they need to show the people that are, that are struggling and are going to struggle in a monstrous way we've got your back we're going to sort this out and we're going to make sure that you do not suffer any more than is absolutely necessary. Yeah. And they just seem to be getting that wrong. They need to come up with a big, bold statement, a big pledge. 
and they see, I, d I don't know why they can't, and I think it's damaging them, I think it's in their interest, and I would urge them actually to look really closely at a windfall tax. Margaret well, Thatcher's done a windfall tax, sorry, go I, ahead. I was gonna, just going just gonna to say that there are, I, I detect signs that there's something maybe going to be pulled out of the hat there. Right. Uh, Rishi Sunak's been making, you know, noises off camera, well some of them on camera, um, about, um, you know, the windfall tax not being ruled out. Uh, and he's obviously one that likes the big gestures we saw from the pandemic and uh, mm. furlough and what have you. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some headline grabbing announcement along the, along the track. But I think you're right. I think it, that sort of sense of something, reass some reassurance there for people who are mm. going to feel things getting really tough later in the year is necessary. Yeah. Um, it was very effective in the pandemic and uh, it's what we need I think now. I think the danger at the moment is all the talk, all the understandable talk mm. about things being incredibly tough later in the year, mm. it's terrifying people and people are reining in spending, yeah. you know, the paradox of thrift where people save more and spend less yeah. which okay. actually damages jobs and makes us all a bit poorer mm. and the government needs to reassure everyone now. I'm sorry I'll stop talking. Not <laughs> at all, no, go on. But, but maintaining, I mean just imagine what this pickle we'd be in if the employment figures were, were different if Thank we God. had if Absolutely. we had large unemployment yeah. Um, yeah. just imagine what things would be like at least a lot of people they may be struggling but they still got a wage coming in yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. which is I mean there's, there's an ideological uh, part of the Tory party in the old days all of it was was against uh, the concept of taxing companies this way retrospectively because it, it is unfair to change the rules but these energy companies have made their fortunes, not because they've worked harder or been cleverer or been braver. Prices have gone up out of their control. And when this happened to the banks, when interest rates went up in the late 80s, early 90s, the banks made a fortune just by luck. So Margaret mm. Thatcher and her chancellor upped the tax they had to pay. It was a windfall tax. So I would, mm. I would urge Tories to follow Margaret, their, their goddess's lead, Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> and impose a windfall tax and distribute that to the bottom 25% of households and take the pain of this energy crisis that's coming uh, out, of, out, out of their brains and households, which is damaging their welfare, their kids are going to school worried. Uh, and when, 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 when desperate families become stressed, the kids suffer at school. And that's bad for all of our futures. Yeah. They do, 100%. And I, I work with schools on a daily basis and with young people on a daily basis. And um, I want to pick from two things, one of which is, you know, would you, you know, both gentlemen there, you're, you're describing a very different point of view. Lots of people have said that today is a bit like a, a repeat of the 1970s. It's not, because actually employment's really high, um, so it's not. And there is a fundamental point of difference there. There are lots of other aggravating factors which are similar, but actually employment is really, really high. So, no, there are different, there are different points of relief and, and, and dissonance that need to be engaged with. Well, when you talk to young people, I spent all of this morning and yesterday morning with young people, um, a group of people from Hartlepool and then a group of people from young, uh, young people from Middlesbrough, and they have a very, very poor understanding of the economic landscape of the world they're living in. You know, they're in, they're in primary school, they don't really need to, that's okay, that's mm. fine, but their parents don't either, um, which is also a bit concerning. And what I would say is that we need to be gentle with people but also we need to be really clear about the opportunity they do have available to them and actually say to them look you know there are opportunities in your region and and, and be really writ large about that and just say you know this is what you need to do and this is how you need to do it because i do sometimes worry that we are a bit too kind of lackadaisical about sort of saying 
you know, this is this is how you can contribute to the work of our region, um, and that people have to find it in a roundabout way. I think we need to be a bit more open, a bit more forceful about about that, and, and say, look, okay, you're from this region, you want to work, cool. So yeah. we're, we're here you are. Yeah. These are the opportunities. Let's go for it. Let's do it together. Let's make our region better. Let's make your children safer together. Um, and I feel quite strongly about that because I work with kids who have no idea what their parents do. Mm. And and these are very motivated and really switched on children and they have no idea what their parents do. Yeah. And that's quite concerning, I would say. Thanks, Rosalind. I mean, they're, they're, they're fascinating points and I think it's being able to have this sort of dialogue we, we need to spread that out further. We need to, well, we've had a little group of conversation here, but just generally the conversation needs to move on from that and we need to, to talk more, to talk to, to wider sources. Uh, Martin, let's just tap into your, uh, your immense sort of property knowledge at the moment. Always one of the key barometers. Mm. How is the property market going? What, which way is it? Mm. What's your general reading at the moment? Is it, is it optimistic? Is it f fulfilling its needs at the moment? Um, well, it's continuing to confound to some extent. Um, the whole of last year, the beginning of this year, um, you know, uh, we had this incredibly buoyant, almost overheated property market that nobody would really quite understand. Mm -hmm. This year started like a steam train as well. All the time, the estate agents, um, you know, they were telling everybody who had listened that our main problem is stock. As soon as something arrives, it, it goes. Yeah. Um, and that's led to, you know, uh, best offers and this nothing better is better at driving prices up than that mm. um, so you know that has continued uh, and it's continued unabated uh, so far this year I'm as busy as I've ever been and so are my team and so are the teams in other firms um, whether or not we are about to see that change I don't know I mean the, the, the obviously there's been a lot of negative stuff going around we're seeing interest rates going mm. up but still only gradually uh, not in a frightening way um, and um, you can tell I mean there have been times in the past where we've gone into recession where you can see transactions falling apart because people are getting cold feet um, I've not seen that happen yet mm. um, you know and uh, you talk about million million and a half thousand pound property purchases um, a lot of borrowing involved in them you know, you would expect that some of those are going to get cold feet or would have done over the last month or so. Still no sign of it happening. So, um, you know, it may be that people, are, uh, uh, you know, they've got, the, they've got a sense of job security themselves. Um, they think that these problems are not ones that are uh, a, a evidence of a fundamental weakness in our economy. Um, and uh, they are thinking, well, you know, I, I still feel confident about this deal. And supply and demand. Absolutely. You know? you know, yeah. Supply and demand is keeping people, keeping the prices up. Yeah. Let's just sort of go around the room about a really simple question, but the, the next step that we would like to see in our different fields to, to make progress as they were, we're struggling, the cost of living is struggling, we're moving on with huge projects like Development Corporation, property market as you as you said Martin um, but the next thing any what's the next move you'd like to see is it is it inflation being tackled is it the job situation particularly is it investment what's the um, the thing if, you, if it's going to happen in the next few weeks 
What does it need to be? I, I think that, um, so do you mean at a Middlesbrough level or at a macro level? What do you, what do you well, mean? Well, I suppose we mean at the Middlesbrough level, but yeah. it, maybe that means it has to be something that happens at the macro level yeah. that's going to feed down and be perfect so, for Middlesbrough. Yeah, good question. What, what I want to see in Middlesbrough is investors of any kind, whether it's uh, governments, individuals, private companies, I want them to come in, I want them to build, and I want them to base businesses here, because I want to create the life-changing career opportunities that are going to propel people into optimism and, and, to, and to flourish. And, and that's what's going to change our region. It's not just about jobs, it's about a sense of optimism, it's about a sense of a better future. And, and what we need is money coming to the centres of towns, by the way. Scattering sure. things around the outside is great. It is really great. And what's happened at a Tees Valley level, Tees Works, that, that's just amazing. What, what I think is more value to us in the medium term is stuff in the centres of town. Yeah. Because what's happening is they're being hollowed out as places where people of affluence or means no longer have any... Re has no relevance for them. They don't shop there. They don't do anything there. Crime... Um, mental well-being and all of the other issues get worse and worse and worse and people of affluence move further and further and further out we end up with this donut situation which yeah, damages yeah. everyone mm. people end up living in a suburb of nowhere yeah. and we need to find a way of really reinvigorating the centers of our town so I, what i want to see is new investment come into the whole region but especially into the centers of towns that's where we'll change lives and instill optimism amongst those who need that shot in the arm the most Rosalind, if you had the the aid of government tomorrow morning, what would you what would be the one thing you'd say? Well, to be honest, with you, I would echo what Andy said just there. I don't know if if anyone here has heard of the concept of donut economics, but I think that donut economics really, really, you know, echoes what Andy was just saying there, which is, if you want somewhere to thrive, you need to start from the centre, and trying to build things from the outer inwards, which, to be perfectly frank, is where. Tees Valley Combined Authority has been doing things for the last period of time. I'm not criticising them for that, but that's just what they have been doing. Sure. Um, it doesn't work. Um, you need to start from the centre of a town and work outwards and build trust in a community because we live in Darlington and we're at the edge of the Tees Valley and no one has much of an idea what's going on. They're very aware that we are apparently a part of Tees Valley Combined Authority because there are signs up here and there and everywhere. But the only thing they actually understand is, is, is the cover market. Um, because it's in the middle of town. And that's a really good example of how you communicate to a local community. Um, and I think that actually donor economics says the centre of what you do is about communication at a central point and then going from there and then things grow. And I think as a region we've got that wrong in, in, in the last few years. And I really think we need to start from our centres and go out from there. I think that the narrative is changing towards that, but that will make a huge difference to impact understanding and ultimately impact uh, ultimately how how it affects the you know the economics of our region. Okay, and, and Martin, what's just uh, I, I would say have uh, first time buyers, um, affordable housing, coming back to the centre of properties. That's where you're going to get you know. The property density is the thing here and you're not really going to get people with you know half a million to spend buying properties in the center of town because they're not going to get properties that are what are they after center of town is where you're going to have higher density housing that's going to have to be affordable housing first-time buyer housing um, and um, you know the, the the higher end of the market doesn't need fixing the bottom end does um, so that would be that would be my, my hope 
Yeah, I think what we, uh, from my point of view, it is, as I mentioned before, it's about partnerships and collaboration. And it's also about having, feeling that we've, the, we obviously we, we feel we have the ear of local government because we have their support and we see their stuff happening at grassroots and we need to feel that connection with national government this is my own personal view from a sort of media point of view that there's a detachment at the moment we don't we don't sure whether we trust them we're not sure what they're going to do next and and we're sure that the depth of the crisis we have at the moment we're not entirely sure they've got the tools to deal with this so we look to our local people our local businesses and our, our, our local government say okay what take us somewhere, show us some sort of direction, do, do the development corporation thing, do the railway station thing, to, so we can see that there's something is happening on the ground. Then we can feed that back. I think that's, uh, that's an important time. Um, we're just about out of time. Um, that's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, and again, I think just bringing these different voices together, finding that we have common ground, that we're sort of agreeing, we're nodding across the screens, that's important to me. That makes quite a difference. Uh, and I have to say, not just because the three of you here in front of me, but if we can take that sort of mood and we can take that sort of commitment and passion and move it forward, then we have, we have a chance of surviving through this and then thriving through it because we have to survive and then I think we have to find a way of thriving as we go forward. Um, that is pretty much all we've got time for, I think. Uh, thank you very much uh, for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing the insights of my guests, Andy Preston, Martin Williamson, and Rosalind Stewart. Graham's back next week with another episode of Business Unmuted. Thanks very much. We'll see you soon.